The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome. I'm so thrilled and excited about tonight's show. There you know, I get to, to do some of the best stuff. I read books that really inspire me and touch me in new ways. And I'm always coming across exactly the book that I need to read in the moment. And the book that we're going to talk about today, I think it's one book that has excited me more than any book that I've had in a long time because it truly taps into a wealth and a depth of power. Uh, within women that we need to know. There is such valuable information here. And as I'm going through my own awakening processes and discovering lots of changes that are occurring within my physiology as I embark on the rebel road and this place of courage, so much of what Dr. Christine Page wrote about in her book, The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman, Health, Creativity, and Fertility for the Soul, resonated so deeply and truly is is helping me to understand other steps to take for myself. So I really want to just get right into this conversation. During the writing of this book, Christine came face-to-face with some of the wounds that had been subconsciously driving many of her decisions and ways of thinking. Behind a kind and compliant facade, she unearthed layers of resentment and frustration that had built up from years of denying true feelings. It became very clear to her how these hidden emotions had influenced the quality of her relationships, but she was scared to allow that angry woman, her inner bitch, out of the cellar, out of the cellar for fear of the turmoil she would cause in her life. Her soul happened to take the lead, however, manifesting those suppressed feelings in the form of abnormal and unruly cellular changes in her breast. She developed breast cancer, and the diagnosis propelled her into chaos and, and fear, and it was devastating, and the turmoil actually released untapped sources of assertiveness and inner strength, leaving her stronger and more self-assured. What I love is the beauty that came out of this through this book, because I think it's so, so important. I'd like to welcome Christine Page to 1111 Talk Radio. Oh, thank you, Simran. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you for, for your inspiring words. Well, it's it's truly a beautiful, beautiful book, and I want to start with um, a statement very early on in the book that just knocked me over, I thought was so beautiful, and you write, unlike men, women do not need to kneel down at the feet of the Great Mother. Instead, we should stand tall and honor her as living examples of this feminine archetype, and, and that is such a powerful statement, and I'd like to begin right there. So... 
you know, it, it all came about was because I was at a conference and I was being guided by men as to how to be a woman, which was, I have been at other conferences with similar ideas. And I realized that actually men have a very different approach to the great mother and women's approach is to actually embody her that everything that we have, our curves, our juices, our moods, our emotions, um, and, and our seasons are exactly the same as the great mother. And that what, what she's asking us to do is to live that, those qualities every day, every moment of our being. And unfortunately, over three and a half thousand years, we've tended to feel that these were not good qualities, they've been suppressed, and many women have found themselves, I say, acting like mini men, you know, taking on the male or the masculine within us all in order to succeed and to be accepted. When truly our power, our grace, our beauty is in honoring those cycles and the, the parts of us that are just like the great mother. Uh, Christine, you talk about in, in your work that illness is not a mistake, it's not a sign of weakness, and it's not merely physical, but it's actually the message from the soul. Can you talk a little bit about that and your own experience of how your illness really birthed an awareness of all of the information in the healing power of the sacred woman? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I come from a now 35-year experience of being a doctor, a homeopath, uh, working with people all over the world, seeing at one point 40 patients a day. And, and I saw that there was a direct message between the illness of someone, how the body shows those symptoms, and what's going on in the person's life. And I would almost say, you tell me the illness, I'll tell you the personality. And it's not about blame. It's not about you've done something wrong. It's saying that the illness is allowing us to get back on track. And sometimes that little part of us, who might call it our little ego, just takes us off track and our soul says, okay, I'm going to give you this illness which will help you to take time out and really focus on what is the illness, in my case, cancer of the breast. So for me, it was where am I giving, which is breast, where am I trying to feed everybody but not feeding myself? And what the message was so clear for me was people would say, ah, yes, it's all about self-love. Well, that's very true, but I do nurture myself if you want to look at massages and things like that. But what I realized that I had lost the self. I didn't know who was being nurtured because I had stepped so well away from myself in order to please other people and be a nice person that the self, the I, had been lost. And I felt that the cancer allowed me to come home to myself, to my heart, and say, Chris, is this really the decision you want to make or are you making these decisions to please other people and to keep a sort of balance and harmony around you? So as I said, as you read out at the beginning of the book, I allowed my inner bitch to come out and say, you know, I'm saying no now because in the past I've always said yes and then I've resented it. So now I'm being honest. And that's a huge message I learned from this cancer. One thing as I was reading about you in the book, I, I, I wanted to get the understanding of isolation versus intimacy and how that either creates disease or maybe assists healing in the end and where the distinction and the bridge is between the two. That's a wonderful question, wonderful question. Um, I feel that both of them are good. You know, sometimes we need to be on our own, sometimes we need to be intimate. The key for me is 
Where am I being intimate in order to get approval or recognition from others? Where am I being intimate out of fear of being alone? Where am I being intimate in a way that doesn't respect me? Where am I being intimate in a way that does respect me and, intim- and, and nurture me? And where am I staying you know, in a situation not having my alone time because I have a fear that if I move away, everybody's going to you know, go away from me? So the key to it is, are you acting... Is, are your actions, is, are my actions based on the approval of others or the recognition of others or are the actions really based on what is the most nurturing and respectful thing I can do for myself in this moment? And that was the question I asked myself. Is this nurturing of myself, the really deep myself? Because I think that when we lose ourselves, it is a return to that intimacy, but in your book... You're also telling us to take that intimacy to an even deeper level and revere our bodies in a way that I don't even know that our grandmothers and our mothers have known to even teach us. You're absolutely right. You know, in the workshop we teach, uh, I say, first of all, I say to everybody, please know that we are talking about three and a half thousand years, so please don't even look for your great-grandmother to know this. <laughs> Um, we have we have no role models, and I'm really making a very direct statement, but I would say most of us have absolutely no role models to how to be a respected, loving being towards ourselves. And all of our ancestors have done a really good job to try and find their way in this more male-directed world. But the fact is, who are our role models? And certainly they're not what's on the front of a magazine or what we see on the television. Uh, and many of what I'm looking at, as we might say, role models, many of them you can see have taken on the masculine in order to succeed. So it's absolutely true. Where do I go? And we can't go outside. We have to go inside ourselves because every one of us knows what it is to be a beautiful, loving, and loved, much-loved feminine. And we can only find that by going into our bodies. Well, you touched on a point right in the beginning, and there is such a conversation about the divine feminine, but, and when we look at the views of men versus women on that divine feminine, so much of what we think has been done to us has come from the patriarchy, but yet we're the women that have raised the men. So how do we also shift that whole perspective, or does it come from us first truly just honoring ourselves and saying, this is now how it's going to be? I, I think it does. Um, what, again, you know, we run a workshop, a deep retreat workshop, where, where we actually meet our ancestors uh, through a magical musical journey. And what's fascinating is that I say that we have to meet the wounds. We have to know what the wounds of our ancestors are before we can go forward. We can't just say, I'm going to do it differently. Because what I, why I went, took this approach is that illness is coming from deep beliefs about ourselves. And it's not enough for us to just look back into this life that we have or our childhood we are carrying beliefs of our ancestors, ancestors at least seven generations back. And, of course, many of those beings are not around. So we have to go within and ask, what are the wounds that our ancestors are carrying? Because those wounds have created the beliefs that we are now living. And until we really get to the wound and bring the energy out of that, we cannot shift our energy. It's not enough just to say, I'm going to love myself, because we don't even have a sense of what that looks like. 
4,000 years ago, women were seen as living representations of the Great Mother, whose cyclical and potent energy gave birth to all existence. Today, this sacred awareness has been lost or distorted, causing a collective amnesia among women around the world. However, there is one symbol of the Great Mother's loving presence that has remained unchanged for tens of thousands of years, the physical body. Its curves, sensuality, softness, and monthly flow are constant reminders of this deep loving connection. When illness appears, especially within the breasts and fertility organs, a woman is being reminded to return to her pure and sacred identity where death and birth are essential for growth and love flows without expectations. This is from the book, The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman from Dr. Christine Page, who received her medical degree from the University of London in 78. She is known as a mystical physician and is an international seminar leader on the healing and empowerment and is author of several books, including Frontiers of Health and 2012 in the Galactic Center, The Return of the Great Mother. Again, the name of the book is The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman, and you can find out more about her at christinepage.com. Definitely look at some of the events that are coming up, such as Romancing the Earth, a Sacred and Revitalizing Tour, uh, Spirit Mapping in October in Lincoln, Nebraska, and many more. They're right on the website, christinepage.com. We'll be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Before we get back to this fascinating topic on the healing power of the sacred woman, I do want to mention that we are about to embark on the Rebel Road Next Wednesday, I take off in a 31-foot RV and start going around the country. The calendar is lining up beautifully, and we have had invitations from so many places in the United States and Canada. So come out and meet us. The website is therebelroad.com, and it will be an opportunity to share time, space, conversation, and for me to celebrate so many people around the country that are being rebels in their own lives. 
My guest today is Christine Page, and we are talking about The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman. This is a book that absolutely every woman needs to read, and every mother needs to then have also a conversation with their daughter. There's a sacredness that we need to reclaim as women. Too many curves are definitely not in vogue, unless, of course, you're talking about the breasts, which have become a particular object of sexual fascination. When women are complicit in remarking themselves in in remaking themselves in the image crafted for them by generations of patriarchy, we are surely denying the very things that com- comprise our sacred identity. Over the centuries, the essential qualities of the female anatomy that have been celebrated and admired, its softness and receptivity, have also been subjected to all manner of abuse, which continues to the present. I suspect the attack on essential femaleness is not because women are inherently powerless. Far from it. I suggest that it has been to ensure that women's inherent power remains restrained and under the control of those who fear it. One can only picture the force required to eject an eight-pound baby from the womb to recognize that a woman's power stems from deep within her being and that once she connects to this core strength, at such times as during childbirth, nothing can stop her from achieving her destiny. This is from Christine Page's book, The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman. That is so true. I mean, the power that takes uh, that it takes to birth a child, to birth so much, to care in the way that women care and and multitask in the way that women multitask, and to do all the things that we do. There's an immense well of power that we don't recognize. Oh, that's so true, and and there's more, and that's you know, it's uh, the fact is that. One of the things that is so important for women to understand that their menstrual cycle is the most powerful experience that they will ever have. And as the ancient people and the ancient women understood that, the men revered this cycle because they couldn't do it. And many a time I'll be asked, oh, are you talking about the feminine in everybody? And I go, no, men haven't got uteruses and vaginas and ovaries. You know, I'm talking about women. And we, we need to say we are different. Don't, I, we're not talking about something psychological. We're talking something physiological and anatomical. And that what happens is that when I was writing the book, I saw that even medically it was written that there was this east estrogen phase and progesterone. Oh, and then there's that thing called a bleed, but we don't talk about that. And then we move on to these wonderful phases of growth and nurturing. Oh, then there's the bleed. And it's like, the bleed is the most important part of the whole cycle. And for me, I was brought up with my mother calling it the curse. And other people I'm hearing are saying, well, it's such an inconvenience. Why don't you just use a patch or have an injection? You never have to be bothered by that. Well, the bleed is the way in which women literally purify the earth. Just as during the fall, during autumn, the earth itself purifies by dropping the leaves and then turning those leaves into a, a compost for the new growth. And the way I like to say it is that as a gardener myself, I would never plant a new seed in ground that I hadn't turned over. But we keep trying to plant new seeds, whether it's a baby or seeds of inspiration, into ground that has generations of old wounds, old roots, weeds, <laughs> pain, disappointment, wow. and we wonder why we don't get anything different. If you keep planting in the same place, you're never going to get anything different. And wow. I, 
I feel this is one of the most powerful messages I want to put across to a woman. Your bleed cleans the family's energy up. Your bleed cleans up the tribe. When women stop bleeding, we will not have creativity anymore. It is essential women understand the power of this rather than it's an inconvenience or something that indeed could be just seen as dirty. Yes, women are unclean at that time because they are taking on everybody's business or everybody's emotions that they want to get rid of. And a woman must not go near food because if she does, she just puts those emotions back into the food that the tribe then eat again. And so they take everything back into their bodies. Uh, the ancient people understood this. We've just lost all of this. And, and it's so true because when I think back on ancient times, they did red tent ceremonies. Women were, were placed aside and celebrated for, for the menses. They were celebrated at that time. They were nurtured. They were taken care of. And now we teach girls to hide or to, to, to not feel good about it or that, that it's all about procreation in the end. And it, procreation is actually the very least of it. You've got it, and that was one of my things that I worked out. I had this sort of inquiring mind, and I, when I started writing the book, I went, okay, what does every woman do? Well, does every woman have children? No. In fact, the figures are now about 35% of 40-year-olds have not had children. What does every woman do? Oh, she bleeds. And as a doctor, I would say every woman bleeds. There might be one in a million who doesn't. And she does it for 35 years, and you think... My goodness, that's an awful long time to do something that none of us talk about. And therefore, I worked out she has about 420 bleeds in her life. And she, on average, the mean uh, average of women having children, a woman might have one to two children in her life. So I cannot believe the great mother would be so careless with the energy to say, okay, we'll give them 420 tries to have two children. It's just pointless. It's not about having children. Children, wonderful. We continue the energy. We continue the cycle and we bring new generations. What's more important is what is the consciousness that we're feeding those children with every month? That is the power of a woman. Change the consciousness of the generations. Give those children a chance to be different than their last generation. And that's what happens every month. We plant new seeds of consciousness and inspiration into our family. That's the power of a woman. You wrote a passage here to me that was quite poetic in allowing people to see it. And also some of the drawings in the book truly illustrate that, that we are flowers and there is flowering within our body, that we, we look like these flowers that are, are, are birthing and budding. The vulva's Sanskrit name is Yoni, which has several related meanings, including the origin of life or divine passageway, being in the presence of the triple goddess. To the ancient people, the vulva was sacred, recognized as an opening or portal into another dimension, whether one is emerging from it as a newborn baby or entering into it as a man does in lovemaking. This whole section was incredible, and it, it created a whole different look as to what is sacred. But I think one of the issues is people don't really understand what the words sacred mean or what the words divine feminine mean. Can you give a better understanding rather than the cliched or overused uh, message that we have gotten? I, I would love to. I, I use the word sacred rather than divine because, again, divine, uh, as you say, has this sort of understanding of godlike, which is true, or goddess-like. But sacred to me is, is, is that sense of special, 
um, pl- that sense of something which is so so important to us that if we do not adhere to it, then we we find ourselves losing energy, uh, not you know becoming depressed. So sacred is something that is heartfelt to me. Uh, again, this maybe is just my experience, but nobody can take away something that's sacred from you, and and it it is there in your heart. It's there in your womb. Uh, what I describe as the uterus and the vagina, I describe the, the vulva as you talk about, the yoni, is as if you're entering a sacred church or temple or synagogue. And as you get to the yoni, you're being asked to go quiet. You're being asked to take your outer clothes off, turn off your cell phone. And everybody understands that. You would never go into a sacred temple or place uh, without consideration. And what I say is, as soon as anything goes through the yoni, we need to be understanding now we're in a sacred place and the vagina is that passageway that often is at the beginning of a temple where we become quieter and more in tune with the, with the energy. And then we, we meet the inner doorkeeper, which is the cervix, where we have to really be saying, am I in this sacred and respectful place? Am I tuning into something which is much more deeply in tune with me uh, and with that divine energy? And then we enter into the, the womb. So I might have given you more answer to your question, but I see the womb and that whole area as such a sacred temple that women have never been taught to honor. And we see all the issues of abuse, cervical cancer, problems with the vagina, because women have never been taught, don't let someone, anybody in there, unless you understand they, they, they respect and honor who you are and that they're entering a sacred temple. And you call it a heaven's doorway. And why I found this conversation so incredibly not only empowering but beautiful is because just for myself, in, in my own culture, you know, there, there's such a celebration of, of the bodies in the Indian culture and, and there's uh, all kinds of, of sculptures and things that depict that, but yet there's a repressed uh, feeling as well about sexuality. And I think about even in the Western societies or women in general, there's so many sexual wounds, whether it is through rape or whether it is through feeling used because of the way that we view sex and different things, that for a woman to be able to now view her own body in this way before ever engaging in anything, it, it all of a sudden shifts it entirely to where you're not being used. It's not an act that you're doing this is now a sacred moment, however it is occurring, and to, it is to be respected and to, to respect oneself. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the, the sex, sex for us is sacred sex is two beings coming together to create a oneness, you know, whatever that is. But that, that two beings have to have a safety and a trust. And most of all, they have to have respect for each other. And one of the exercises we do in our, my workshop is, is to ask people, do you have a doorkeeper to your yoni? Do, is there anybody there, you know, asking someone to take their coat off and their hat off? And I find out that most women haven't a clue that, and their guardian, there's nobody there. We're not taught to respect and that nobody should enter into that space without first asking permission. It doesn't matter who they are. And what I've recognized is that there is a confusion between sex and relationship, both in men and women, and that sometimes we have sex when we really want relationship, and sometimes we just want sex, but we don't have that conversation. So that I might let you in hoping I get relationship, 
when actually all you wanted was sex. <laughs> and they're completely different energies. And I think that every time, I have to say, I think every sexual act is a relationship. But I think there's a confusion in our minds as to what it means to have an intimate relationship where the sex is sacred rather than just something you do uh, for a one-night stand. When woman was made in the image of the great mother, no detail was denied. Her curves expressed the optimal flow of creativity. Her softness represents the importance of bonding, and the organs of fertility are carefully protected within the bony pelvis to remind her that these are her sacred jewels. Compare this with the male anatomy, and it's easy to see how precious these organs are to the creator. Without them, humanity would not survive. Ancient peoples appreciated this fact, showing great reverence for the female figure by crafting the wonderful Venus statuettes. This is from the book, The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman, Health, Creativity, and Fertility of the Soul. And it is by Dr. Christine Page. Definitely connect with her at christinepage.com. She has a lot of offerings there, workshops, uh, different products, her blog, so much information there. So make sure you definitely visit her website. Again, it's christinepage.com. We'll be right back with more of this beautiful conversation on the healing power of the sacred woman. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. We are spiritual beings living in a world of duality and your consciousness between the two different planes of existence. The two basic processes that assist us in this transfer of energy are known as sex and birth. Sex moves our awareness from self-identification and individuality to union with the collective consciousness of the Great Mother. Remembering that every relationship is a sacred sexual experience. Birth, both physical and inspirational, moves our awareness from the unified consciousness of the nothingness to the self-identity. Women are natural vessels for both of these currents. 
which are expressed in cycles of three, just as there are three trimesters of pregnancy, three main phases of sexual arousal, three stages of menstruation, and three aspects of archetypal womanhood, the virgin, the mother, and the crone. I love how you wrote that because in my own book, Conversations with the Universe, I start the preface talking about how the number three is so significant in so many ways. And this is just another representation of why it is. Can you talk about the virgin, the mother, and the crone? Yes. As you say, that that creative energy of the feminine, that three number, and uh, I, the virgin mother crone are aspects of mythology, archetypical energies, and of course they are present in both men and women. And the virgin is the one that is signified by people like Bridget, uh, some aspects of Artemis, that sort of new birth. So they are the light bringer. They are often associated with freedom and inspiration and intuition. So I always say that our virgin in, in us, men or women, speaks to us through our intuition. It's the, it's the aha, it's the, aha, I just thought of something new to do. <laughs> and I've taught intuition for many years, if one can teach it. I've found that uh, the fact is that everybody's intuitive, but not everybody follows through. But uh, it isn't about teaching intuition. It's about how do I encourage people to follow through, take that risk that you were talking about, but to be the rebel, to step up. And uh, that's, you know, that's the virgin in us. Can we encourage that virgin to actually plant those seeds and be seen and all those other things that as a woman so important and sometimes we've suppressed. The mother quality is, is in many ways the best known of all of them. You know, the nurturer, the giver, um, unfortunately also often the sacrifice, the service to our family, to humanity. And I think the mother has been, the mother character has been overplayed. And as we spoke about earlier, even I think somewhat taking us away from the source of who we are, uh, many women consider themselves only a woman when they've had children. That anybody who hasn't had children, poor them, uh, this, they're not obviously a true woman. Um, I would say that from my experience, Many women who, you know, who describe their mothers did not describe them necessarily as a, a mother that, or a woman that they would want to go on and represent or see as a role model. So I think that it's much more than just a womanhood, uh, excuse me, motherhood gives you womanhood. But I also see that many of us play out that giving and I think it often can cause us to have problems. I certainly see that in myself where, you know, I thought that all you had to do was to give love to receive it and really that wasn't true I had to learn to give that love to myself in order to receive it and I I see many women um, putting themselves into a situation where they drain themselves of energy and have nothing more to give and, and have to recoup and the crone energy is the most difficult for one to understand and I'm fascinated when I'm amongst women who say oh I don't do crone I just do the virgin and the mother And that was very much, you could see that in the Christian church where they would do the Virgin Mary and the Mother Mary and then they got rid of the Crone Mary, who of course was Mary Magdalene. And, you know, without the third aspect of the the feminine, then the Christian church cannot go forward. It's stuck because the Crone represents the death, the transformation, where the Virgin represents the birth. And again, unless we die to the old patterns or, or create that death experience as we see during the menstrual cycle or, or as the winter comes into the, the season, 
we don't have the opportunity to have new birth. And the crone, therefore, represents death, destruction, purification. And many women have a real difficulty seeing themselves in that role. And yet it's one of the most important roles for women to honor the fact that they have clear-sightedness. They know when to cut something free. They know when something needs to end. And if they could just follow that, that vision and say, this is finished, their crone would be very happy with them. And we could perhaps move forward with greater grace. You know, this, this part was so powerful for me for a number of reasons. I think that in the past myself, and I've heard other people, when you think about the virgin, the mother, and the crone, we kind of put in our minds that the crone is the old woman. And, and as, as I've gone through my experience, especially in the last year of leaving an 18-year arranged marriage and moving into a place where I'm finally ready to say, you know, now I allow, I'm willing to have a timeless, boundless, ecstatic experience. I'm willing to step into this place of openly receiving and experiencing me on all levels, physically as well as emotionally and spiritually, I realize that that is the crone and it has nothing to do with age. It has to do with finally stepping fully into that place of saying, I'm open to truly being who I am supposed to be. Oh, I'm so pleased you've said that because I often hear, you know, I, I'm maybe a little older than you are and people say, oh, now you're a crone. And it's like, no, I've been a crone all my life. And, <laughs> and, and just because you get older, it doesn't mean you become a crone. I mean, the crone quality, it's, it's, you carry the crone quality. It's not just about age. You don't miraculously become a crone. The fact of the matter is if you see the three cycles, parts of our cycle, the bleed is the crone, and then the estrogen phase is the virgin, and then the middle phase, the progesterone phase, is the mother. So every month we're going through the virgin mother crone. And that, that crone quality is the ability to let go. And what I realize, uh, you know, people say, well, what happens when you have no more periods? I say, by then you should have learned to be a crone. It's not something that comes from age. It's a learning. And so after 420 cycles, you have learned to let go every month. You have learned to live, go into the quietness of death. You have understood that there is a time of quietness where you let go of everything and then you take it up at the beginning of the, of the next cycle. But most of us have not even come to that place so that when we go through the menopause, we're left carrying all the energy that we should have let go of every month. And now we have a huge fear of death, which we should have overcome because every month we die to the old and we're born again with the new as we go through the cycle. So the cycle teaches women that the most powerful thing is to recognize that we're not fearful of death. And that is the power of women, that we die every month. And that might sound metaphorical, but that's a powerful thing. And I believe that's one of the reasons why the men or the patriarchy was so scared of women, was that women aren't scared of death. And because that's what happens every month. Yes, we really are that change. And also what I realized as I've gone through my own processes of of tapping more into my sexuality and sensuality and being okay with it and opening to it, I felt that rise of the kundalini and I felt that that awakening of my body in different ways and the light expanding. And you write about that um, where the consciousness of energy uh, is primarily magnetic and receptive and that we actually have a far easier access to our light bodies when the when that external light has been dimmed before. So talk about how that happens and also what the moon has to do 
with this whole process of cycles and birth and death. Yes, uh, and just to say that one of the things that I realized happened, again, I have been taught all my life that Kundalini is sleeping, Kundalini is the serpent, and, and of course comes from your culture. And it's the fact is that it says, I had to say, well, why is Kundalini sleeping? You know, <laughs> Everybody's always assumed that Kundalini is sleeping and you've got to go through all these different rituals to achieve the rising of the Kundalini. Well, that's not true. Kundalini is sleeping because three and a half thousand years ago, Kundalini got cut off from the source, its source, which is the dragon energy under our feet. And in every culture across the board, we learned about the somebody killing the dragon, killing the serpent, that how bad the serpent and the dragon was. And this is female creative energy, like a larvic energy that lives within the earth. And everybody knew prior to this time that you could draw that energy up through your feet and into your womb and into your body and, and then bring it up as a kundalini rising and that would then enhance your light body. But until we reconnect to the dragon queen, the energy under the feet, the kundalini cannot rise fully. And to be able to bring that energy up means we have to empty our pot, as I keep saying, empty, the, empty our uterus every month so that we have a space for that dragon to come into. And that's really the cleansing that needs to happen. Then the light body can really shine. There is a thought for many women that it is not okay to self-pleasure or, or that we have a limited capacity to which we are supposed to experience the pleasure. How does that limit us from our sacred power or the experience of life that we are intended to have as uh, divine feminine women and sacred goddesses? Well, I was delighted to see that in many of the images, even that go back beyond 3,000 years, there were many Im images of women self-pleasuring and that it was a way of keeping your magnetic energy flowing and your light body flowing and that women would do this in, again, a sacred way, not just because they were bored that evening. They would do it because they would use this as a sacred, uh, as how to raise the serpent and how to let that serpent then trigger uh, the pineal gland to release a hormone called DMT, which then put them into a different state of awareness. So it was a very much a, a way in which women naturally can go into a trance-like state and have an experience, an embodied, out-of-body experience. And women being told they shouldn't do this uh, really has obviously caused a lot of problems and that the serpent is bad and the dragon is bad and you shouldn't have any pleasure... And, of course, I'm saying is that unless you are lit up as a woman by your partner, unless their main feature of foreplay is how to light you up, you shouldn't let anybody into your body. And so that lighting up, which you could do yourself or you could do, be asked, you know, your partner can do for you, to get that pleasure system, when you're lit up, you're going to draw the energy in and anybody who's in your presence will be taken up your serpentine ladder to have a blissful experience and to reach those ultimate states where they will find themselves and know themselves in their wholeness. As women, there are many other ways to enhance the flow of juice or energy through our magnetic fields, being romanced, laughing with friends, luxuriating in a warm bath, eating good food, walking in nature. 
enjoying soulful music, and dancing to some sultry Latin American music are all known to increase the energy flow through our bodies. When we add sensual touch that is totally focused on pleasure, we have a winning combination. It is clear that foreplay and masturbation that involve all the erogenous zones lighten up our magnetic field, especially at the levels of the root, the earth child, sacral heart and crown chakras. This is from the book, The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman, Health, Creativity, and Fertility for the Soul by Dr. Christine Page. You can find out more about this book and all of the wonderful offerings that Dr. Page has when you go to her website, christinepage.com. Definitely look up some of her other events that are taking place in September and October, Spirit Mapping, Romancing the Earth. They're all listed on her website. We'll be right back. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Definitely access 1111 Magazine and get your free subscription. That is my gift to humanity. And this year we are doing 12 issues, six of the normal issues that feature writers and submissions from amazing people all over the world, and then six additional issues that cover the many people that we are meeting on the Rebel Road. You can go to Simran-Sing.com and sign up for your free subscription. Also, take a look at my books. Uh, Conversations with the Universe and my upcoming book, Your Journey to Enlightenment, 12 Guiding Principles for Love, Courage, and Commitment. My guest today is Dr. Christine Page, and this is a fabulous book entitled The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman. It is jam-packed with a lot of information, and I've tried to cover a good bit in this interview, and I don't know that I've even touched on the, the wealth that is in this, so definitely get your copy. I also want to mention that on her website, christinepage.com, her tape, Uh, Pay particular attention to an October 24th event, The Essential Healing of Women from the Inside Out. It is October 24th through 27th 
in Westwoods, Massachusetts. So again, that's all at christinepage.com along with many other uh, important events that are taking place. Christine, I'd like to get into definitely two more things uh, before the hour ends up. One of those is how does all of this affect the brain and the hormones? Uh, is it stimulating it in certain ways? And uh, is there is there any way for us to deal with these hormonal issues that so many women seem plagued with? Or is it stepping into our divine femininity and sacredness that will help to alleviate that as well? Yes. Uh, you know, many women... When I saw the figures of how many women have premenstrual syndrome, which is, of course, uh, probably known as irritability or depression or weepiness or eating too much chocolate or, you know, all those symptoms, which can be almost up to 10 or even 12 days before your period, the figure is 65%. I mean, that's a lot of women having a problem, headaches, uh, lethargy. And that is the period of time, or that's the, the cycle, pieces of the cycle, which is all to do with the progesterone, often a lack of progesterone. And, but it's more than that. It's the fact that women are so geared now into succeeding. And what have you been doing? And what are you going to do next? And therefore, that's all the first piece of the cycle. That's the estrogen phase, the first 14 days or 12 days of your cycle. But when we go into the second phase, we're supposed to quieten down. We're supposed to be more reflective. We're supposed to be more nurturing. You could say after the full moon. It's a, you know, it's an analogy that we are most creative between the new moon and the full moon, and we're less creative after the full moon. But coming back to a woman's cycle, it's the second part of her cycle where she should be quieter. And we don't have that. We, we only know about what are you going to do, you know, what, what are you creating, how to get out there, how to be successful. And that energy is not receptive. It's not about honoring yourself. It's about meeting up with what we would consider a more male energy of being more out and aggressive, assertive. And so women coming, recognizing that second part of their cycle as a, wow, this is a time for just maybe not being so out in the world, maybe taking more baths or being with friends who are kind of soothing to me would be a great gift to them to have less hormonal issues. I think the menopausal hormonal issues are really about shifting the energy, as we've said, from maybe the potential of being a mother and but also being in tune with those cycles to one which allows us, again, to be more inward-looking and more solid in our energy. And what I've found that the more that our adrenal glands, the more exhausted we are when we go into the menopause, the more menopausal symptoms we're going to have. So if you're someone who drives yourself, is very hard on yourself, a bit of a workaholic, and I will admit to that myself, the more your adrenal glands cannot make enough estrogen for you when you go through the menopause and therefore have more menopausal symptoms. So... Just even learning that, it would be lovely if someone said to you, hey, this is what you should be doing in this cycle of your, of your cycle or this part of your phase of your cycle. Or, hey, b- before you get to menopause, it would be really good for you to quieten your energy down and start to be reflective of what it is to be someone who isn't having periods. But we're not teaching any of that. You talk in the book about how astrology can also be used as a guide in relation to uh, to the breast and also to the cycle. Speak a little bit about um, how you advise people to commit to certain uh, instinctual desires based on this moon placement. 
Yes, I mean, I, I love astrology. I, we do a, astrology workshops and, and I use astrology a lot when I'm looking at, even when people come to me who are ill, I get a sense of what's happening to them and perhaps, you know, could we have seen it before? But one of the things that everybody has in their chart is, is the moon. And many a time an astrologer may talk about the moon being associated to their mother. But I like to see the moon as much more about a mother energy, which means a more instinctual, mothering, nurturing energy. So that wherever your moon is in your astrological chart, it tells you where you, what you need to do when you get stressed. Uh, what, what is going to nurture you? And it really says you should be doing this every day as a kind of a routine. So my moon is in Aquarius, and Aquarians like to have space. They need to be away from people. They need to often be in a community but not being talked to, or they need to detach. And if I don't get that time away from people, I get really irritable and sick. So my husband, dear soul, knows when I say, hey, I'm off to go and have a coffee, he knows I don't need the coffee. I just need my own space. (laughs) And he doesn't say, oh, I'll come with you. So everybody, especially women, need to understand wherever their moon is is what they need to honor on a daily basis. And that will keep them much more healthy and more healthy in their heart and their immune system. And we only have about a minute and a half left, but I want to address the breast because that is the most obvious difference between men and, and women. What What is to allow breasts that flow with love? What do you mean by that statement in the book? Uh, the breasts are how we both nurture, so they, they surround the heart, a bit like mountains around the heart. And so the breasts enhance our heartfelt feelings. And so when a, when a baby comes to the breast, they are held in this loving embrace to say, I hold you, I, I, you're safe. But the other side of the breast is also that by the age of five, a mother has pushed the baby gently off the breast and, and given them the confidence to stand on their own two feet. And their issues around the breast and breast cancer are often either a child held too long on the breast or a child pushed off the breast far too early, and that causes uh, distress and, and, and feelings of not trusting people. So if a mother could understand that there is an energy of both holding and an energy of, of just moving the child off, the child would have that confidence and loving confidence. Mm. I want to thank you, Christine, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. This is an amazing book. Definitely visit christinepage.com. Get your copy of The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman. If you're a gentleman, give a copy to the woman that you love because this is such an empowering, beautiful book that will allow the goddess to really rise up from within and be who she needs to be so that there can be more and more sacred relationship on the planet. I'd like to close out reading a passage from The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman. Nothing will change until women first choose to occupy, nurture, and accept their bodies, whatever their size and shape. Remember your ancestors, who for tens of thousands of years were revered for their curves, fertility, and voluptuousness. Imagine that they would think what they would think of the images of the ideal woman flaunted in the media today. Corporate media makes its money by persuading and shaming women into believing that who they are is not okay. It's time to show the world that the Great Mother reveals herself in many ways, and we must celebrate these different images, whatever a woman's age, culture, or size. Again, this is The Healing Power of the Sacred Woman, and it is Dr. Uh, Dr. Christine Page, and the website is christinepage.com. Next week, my guest will be Cheryl Simone, and we'll 
have another great show. Tap into therebelroad.com, and I will see you on The Rebel Road. In love, of love, with love, and as love. I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.